This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Uh, Selena Ispaka, Selena Ispaka. What does that mean? You just made that up. Yeah. No, Blue Ivy Carter said that in the song. Do you guys? She did not say Selena Ispaka. That's that's baby <laughs> talk. Do you guys listen to music or do you skim through it? I listen to the <laughs> you lyrics. You clearly did not. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Well, actually, I am back on Let Your Voice no, Be Heard. No, I am back too. Oh, and Jackie is back on Let Your Voice I mean, this is the first time the four of us have been in the studio together. All month, I think. All month. And what a week to uh, be back, all four of us in the studio. And nothing this, happened, no, but, you know. Yeah, like nothing happened We'll try at to all. put on a show for nothing you guys. Nothing happened at all, guys. Yeah. Everything's just peachy keen. Don't you know we live in a world that definitely peachy orange. No racism, no sexism, none of those things exist because you know I don't see them personally. So that means they must not be happening. And the president is not six votes away from impeachment. That's not a thing that we're thinking about. Yeah, the president's definitely not a Nazi sympathizer. That's not something that we learned this week for sure. Allegedly. Let's talk about many sides, Jackie, okay? Many sides. There were many sides. Well, guys, we're going to stop talking in circles and giving inside jokes and tell you that we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. This is Stanley Fritz. I am here with Selena, who is updating her Christian Mingle account. Also, there's <laughs> Alyssa Fuchs and, of course, Jackie Cohen, and we have missed you. Well, I guess I have missed you. Jackie didn't miss you, and Selena was with you guys last week. If you are wondering how you can talk to me because you did want to talk to me, you can do so on the Twitter at Stan Fritz. I might ignore you because there's a lot of notifications happening right now. You can also hit me up. Up on the Facebook at Stanley Fritz or on the Instagram at Stan Fritz. And of course, there's always a Snapchat at the Stan Fritz, a.k.a. Dark Skin Swindle. I am very accessible unless I don't want to talk to you. All right. Good morning, guys. I am not updating Christian Mingle. I was updating the Facebook Live and sharing it on my page. All right, Stanley. So anyway, my name is <laughs> Selena Hill. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill. I'm also very happy to be back. Alyssa and I hosted the entire Let Your Voice Be Show. Let me Let Your Voice Be Heard show last week. Um, it was fun, but I miss Jackie, not Stanley. But Yay. we are happy to have everyone here. I miss Stanley being on the board because <laughs> I, I had to take over. I heard some of the show, and by some of it, I mean I tried to listen to the whole thing, but it was poorly. And just kidding. No, no it was Stanley. great. <laughs> Not nice. And you all should go back and listen to it if you haven't yet. Absolutely, guys. And if you don't know, Let Your Voice Be Heard is the show where we discuss politics, social issues, a lot of Donald Trump, uh, foreign policy. And we do that all from a diverse millennial perspective. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Alyssa's back again. I am back. I am back and better than ever. And uh, f- smashing white Better supremacy. than ever? I feel <laughs> I like. I don't know. Oh. Well, no, my ear is better than ever. Oh, that's good. I can hear this week. Last week, you might remember, I could not hear. Uh, properly out of my left ear, but now I can. So I'm Alyssa Fuchs. I'm your political and legal correspondent and white supremacy smasher. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's Alyssa with an I. Or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, also with an I. Or you can leave a comment on the fan page, facebook.com slash politically preposterous. Shout out to my mom, Debbie, who's watching on Facebook Live right now. That's awesome. Hey. Hi, Debbie, mom. Hi, Debbie. Um, And I'm Jackie Cohen, and I'm very very happy to be back. It's been a couple weeks. Um, and you can follow me. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jackie Cohen, J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N, where I tweet about just my 
general. Well, is the Mooch following you on Twitter? Um, he's not. So if you want, but to he follow is me, following. Let your voice be heard. Yeah, and, and Stanley. Yes. So I think you guys should start a show. So since he's not podcast. following you, we don't care about <laughs> your Twitter jockey. I just want to that's, be very clear that's about fine. that. That's fine. It's okay if he doesn't follow me. Yeah, because the Mooch wants to see what's spooking on Twitter. That's why he's following <laughs> me. Oh wait, oh but Stanley, <laughs> that is not what I meant. <laughs> I don't get it. Good, no. good, good. So good. anyway, um, we have a great show. <laughs> So about that Hotep meme. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, what the- a week. I mean, I will say that like this is really an a unbelievable week. White to- people crying all over the news. Just <laughs> literally, yeah. which is which is kind of great. And I, you know, the first thing I thought to myself when all of this stuff was going down this week that we'll get into later in the show was how grateful I was to have this platform oh. to be able to sit in a room with the four or with the three of you and, you know, be able to take apart what happened in our country this week because it's Absolutely. pretty unbelievable. Can I tell you what I was thinking? Don't say anything on Sunday that, that will get you suspended. Stanley, <laughs> <laughs> good thinking. Good thinking. But Keep thinking it. Absolutely. So, allegedly? Yeah. You yes. were allegedly thinking that? Exactly. Thank you, lawyer. So, yeah, we are going to be talking about the Charlottesville chaos, the racially charged violence that killed one protester and injured more than a dozen others. Guys, it is definitely heavy on our hearts, and we know that you have a lot to say as well. So feel free to call us up at 212-650-0903. You can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. And also leave your comments on our Facebook Live. We will be taking comments there and reading them off. So, yeah, the whole sh- most of this show is dedicated to just unpacking what happened in Charlottesville and also just really examining the rise of white nationalism under the Trump era. I mean, white nationalism is embedded into the fabric of American, quote unquote, democracy. So we're going to take you back a little bit and then we're going to talk about how it is, uh, how it has reemerged in modern day time. Also, we will also have a special guest calling into the show. We have Bob Ganji, who is running in the Democratic primary for mayor. He will be calling into the show. And then last but not least, we have a very special dreamer and doer, Jamel Henderson, who will be joining us for a great conversation about how we can change the political landscape from the inside out because he was he wants to be president of the United States and he has run for office. Isn't he running for office right now? He was, but he's no longer on the ballot. So oh, as got, of seven days ago. So oh, we'll talk about that. Ballot? Yes. That's the thing that happens in New York. Yes, it is. If yeah. you guys want to know about that, we can always do a show where Alyssa and Jackie and I will bore you to death on it. And Selena will probably <laughs> fall asleep because she does not care about petitioning rules in New York City. And she shouldn't because like they're boring. Like archaic petitioning yeah, rules that are boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about on today's show. Again, guys, feel free to call us up. The number is 212-650-6903. Tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We are so... Like, happy that we all accomplished saying the phone number together <laughs> in sync. We're happy that we're back together. Ms. We are De- happy. It's been a while. Has Ms. Deborah called? I miss her. No, no. she's working on Sundays now, I think. Oh, yeah. Ms. Deborah called. Stop. Quit your job. Quit Just your quit job, your job and listen to Let Your Voice Be Heard. Duh. All right, guys, this is a quick break. Luckily, we'll be playing Cardi B to cheer me up, and then we're going to talk about Charlottesville on Let Your Voice Be Heard. I guess. Bow, 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 Melly Rock. Oh, hey, guys. That, those aren't the lyrics. You always mess up when a female is rapping on a track. <gasps> I, that's sexist. Sexist. Um, I call her a woman. Thank you very much. 
Respect her agency. <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, you are in the studio with Stanley Fritz, Selena Hill, Jackie Cohn, and of course, Alyssa Mother Loving Fuchs. And if you want to get to know some of us, Selena's on Christian Mingo, Alyssa is on Facebook, Jackie is on Twitter, and Stanley, I'm in these streets. Stanley, you know I'm not on Christian Mingo. Oh. We don't know. <laughs> What is what do you think Christina's I mean Christine Selena's Christian Mingle name would be? Mm. Stop! Never would have made it 87. <laughs> All right, Stanley. Bless the Lord. <laughs> All 69. right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. God right. block queens. All right, guys. So yes, I am not on Christian Mingle, but I am on Twitter and Facebook at Miss Selena Ho. I mean Twitter and Instagram, that is. So, yeah, we're starting the show off talking about Charlottesville. Now, it's been more than a week since a manifestation of hate, bigotry, and white nationalism culminated in the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, resulting in the death of a 32-year-old anti-racism protester. Now, at this rally, outraged neo-Nazis, racists, and young white boys, or men, however you want to classify them, uh, boys, <laughs> marched through this small Virginia county chanting anti-black, and anti-Semitic slurs. A number of the counter-protesters were also injured, like DeAndre Harris, a 20-year-old black man who was viciously, viciously beaten by multiple white men on video who have yet to even be charged or indicted or arrested, even though they are clearly on video. Now, ironically, these white supremacists label themselves as patriots, all while demonstrating their allegiance to the Confederacy and fascism. The irony, right? Mm. So since the protests, these images of violent spats and a car plowing into a crowd of peaceful counter-protesters has circulated on the Internet, dominated news headlines, and also infiltrated my very own dreams. I've had nightmares. Literally, oh, yeah. I had yeah. a nightmare that there was so much rage and protest outside of the studio that we were forced to leave. We had to evacuate, let your voice be heard. Seriously. So it's definitely been affecting me. And I, as a black woman, I'll say this. I was not too surprised by this racially charged violence. I mean, for one... Racist elements are deeply embedded into American culture. This country was built on the backs of slaves and continues to discriminate against black, brown, queer, Jewish, and all other marginalized people who happen to be the most vulnerable in our society. Now, the only thing that did surprise me was how these racists have become so emboldened to the point where they decided to take their hoods off. I mean, we've seen Klan rallies in the 20s, in the 30s, and 40s. They always used to cover themselves. But now we have these racists who are uh, who publicly align themselves with this type of hate for the entire world to see without any shame. And um, I'll say... And also, instead of it being, um, and I know this is 2017, in my opinion, this is what hatred, racism, white supremacy has manifested itself to be. And I will say, 
I think the reason why they feel um, so emboldened, so empowered, is obviously because of Donald Trump. I mean, he is a president that launched his political career by starting the birther movement, which is extremely racist against the only black president we've had in the United States. He then launched his presidential campaign by discriminating and attacking Mexicans and immigrants. And then he elevated that campaign by launching a vicious war against Muslims. I mean, his problem with people of cover, people of color is clear, it's blatant, he is unapologetic about it, and that's what won him this presidency. So again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are going to take time to talk about uh, what happened in Charlottesville, our immediate reactions, responses, and then what we can do to combat hate in 2017. So I just gave my own personal take of the reaction that I had as a black woman in America watching the violence unfold in Charlottesville. Um, I want to open up this question to the panel, also to you guys, if you happen to be listening. Um, what was your reaction to the violence? Call us up. The number is 212-650-6903. Alyssa? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I also wasn't surprised. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not black, obviously, um, if you you're aren't? watching uh, on Facebook, um, but I am queer and I am Jewish. Um, and so, you know, the events uh, that happened in Charlottesville were equally upset to me um, as they would have been if, you know, if I, you know, well, actually, I don't know. That's that's to each their own. You know, that's subjective as to how upset you are about the events. But, you know, suffice to say, you shouldn't have to be black or queer or Jewish to be upset by the events that happened in Charlottesville. It's about having decent empathy as mm. a person um, and being empathetic regardless of whether these issues affect you personally. Um, but getting back to my own personal reaction, I mean, I was disgusted uh, by it. Um, I was not necessarily disgusted by the outward showing of hate um, that I expect. Um, you know, I don't think white supremacy or institutionalized racism has ever gone away in America. Um, but what I was surprised about, I guess, the most uh, um, is what you mentioned, the fact that these people were so emboldened uh, to come out. And I will say I was extremely satisfied by the the counter protest reaction um, and also saddened by the events of the death of Heather Heyer. So there was a mixed bag of emotions coming from my end. Jackie? Well, Jackie, before you start, I, I want to ask specifically, how did yeah. you feel about the fact that the alt-right use swastikas, they use wooden shields, and they chanted things like blood and soil. Yeah, As and, a Jewish, and Jews will not Jewish. replace us. Right. I mean, so you brought up a, in your intro that like that you were having like dreams about this, and it's really wild. I was thinking about when I was a kid and I started learning about like my Jewish history and the Holocaust. I I used to have reoccurring dreams of like Nazis infiltrating like my school or my synagogue where I went to Hebrew school, and I had the I remember so well having these very vivid like stress dreams as a child, and being told, don't worry, like, it will never again, like, it will never happen again, like, you know, you're learning about your history, and you're internalizing it in this way, and it will never happen again, so when I turned on the TV to see thousands of white men and women marching with swastika flags, you know, chanting blood and soil, it was like, oh my god, like, I was right, like, this can happen again, it can happen in this country, like, there's this level of hate that is just so unbelievably profound, and like Alyssa said, like, it's not surprising white supremacy exists in this country. We know it. We talk about it almost every week on the show, the ways that it manifests itself. Um, but I think, right, like what was most surprising was how emboldened these protesters felt. Um, and really Donald Trump's response, while, 
you know, it's not surprising that he has aligned himself with white supremacists because that's what he's done throughout his administration and his entire campaign to just defend these people and say that there were, you know, there were bad people on both sides and fine people on both sides to say that on the side of Nazis and white supremacists, there were some really good people on that side. You know, it's one of those things where at this point I shouldn't be surprised by anything he says, but I was just bowled over in astonishment at how the president of the United States was defending Nazis and white supremacists. Well, the president is a white supremacist rapist, alleged rapist and racist. So I'm not surprised that he would do that. I'm also not surprised that somebody who's pretty much the equivalency of garbage um, sitting in the sun did something that was garbage. I'm not really surprised about that. I'm not shocked that a whole bunch of white people who are mad that they have small penises and they can't have sex with their Allegedly. cousins <laughs> went out there and protested against black people and Jews during the time during the time that it happened. I had actually spent my day at a protest in upstate New York with a majority white crowd fighting for justice, racial justice, economic justice. And I remember feeling really good and on a train heading back. And all of a sudden I saw those things and I felt helpless. And it made me really question if we should be wasting our time trying to work with white people who voted for Trump or if we should just like cast them off and just figure and hope that they die out. Right. I mean, listen, and the other thing that I want to react to in about the, the good people comment. OK, listen, uh, what what he may have been trying to say, and I'm not going to try and Trump explain something for him, <laughs> was that, you know, there are some people that are, are right wingers that are not racist or neo-Nazis. No, no. OK, if you are out there protesting with neo-Nazis, even if you're not a neo-Nazi, you're the company you, you are, keep, my friend. Right, you are the company you keep. These are your people like there are not. You're not a good person if you're at a neo-Nazi rally. If you're out there protesting for capitalism. Right. And you're like, we don't think trickle economic trickle down economics works. We want to protest in favor of laissez faire market capitalism. OK. Okay, fine. I get that. But like that's a, that's a, like a right wing position to take. And you can protest that. Um, but if you're out there with neo-Nazis that are chanting blood and soil and chanting things about hanging black people from trees and stuff like that, then you are not a good person just by virtue of the fact that you are there with those people. And at the same time, to even expand on that further, if you are a member of the Republican Party and you have not denounced what happened in Charlottesville or the president's response. I mean, when we talk about like the history of actual Nazis, which we'll we'll talk about in the second segment as well. I mean, there were, you know, members of the Nazi party and then there were people within Nazi Germany who sat by and did nothing. And they don't get a pass. You know, those weren't fine people that, you know, smelled burning bodies and saw Nazis marching through the streets and, you know, saw their Jewish neighbors get kicked out of their homes and murdered and, you know, said nothing. But those were fine people, right? Like you don't get to sit by and be complicit in this and do nothing and get considered a good person. You need to. I mean, like we're past the point of just sitting by with your ideals and, you know, considering yourself a good person just because and aligning yourself with this party. Well, first of all, guys, if you want to call in with a question or comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Republican Party is racist. I don't know why we even expect them to say anything. And the fact that they put out statements, who cares? It's a whole bunch of white supremacists who have benefited off of white supremacists and who have purposely pushed other white supremacists to feel more empowered so they can collect their votes. I don't care what Paul Ryan has to say about his buddies. 
I don't care. I'd rather him be unemployed. I'd rather him not be in the White House. I'd rather Donald Trump and John McCain and all these other white people who influence white rage and disparage our black president not even be in a space where I had to see or hear them. So who cares if they made comments? Who cares if they stayed quiet? Eliminate them from the office, period. Well, still, I'm glad that you brought up that point because there were a number of Republican officials and leaders that blatantly came out against Donald Trump and bashed him for his response. Like you had uh, Marco Rubio. Who cares? He votes on everything. You had Senator Bob um, Croker who came out and saying that, you know, this is um, the president is not demonstrating any character. And then not only that, but actually wrote an article um, for Black Enterprise saying, asking the question, like, if you have people who are diverse, are is a person of color who identifies as queer working within the Republican Party, which we do have. They're Uncle Tom's. Um, so you're saying that you're Listen, saying so you're ca- cascading the, the entire Republican Party a thousand as, percent, a hundred percent supporting Trump, even though there are people within the Republican Party that do not support Trump. So if you are a Republican, you claim to be a Republican, you are part of the Never Trump movement. I, I can stand with you. We can have a conversation. Other than mm-hmm. that, you are a racist. You are complicit. You are an aggressive Uncle Tom. Marco Rubio put out those quote-unquote strong comments. He's voted for every single thing that Donald Trump has wanted. So has John McCain, minus the recent health care mm-hmm. bill. So has Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was just trying to take health care from 45 million people a couple of months ago. Are we really going to sit here and act like these Sorry, Professor Harding. Are we really <laughs> going to sit here and act like these problematic white men and these Uncle Tom pretty much raced betraying black people are okay? I don't care if Tim Scott is appalled by what Donald Trump said. He is telling black people that Donald Trump isn't bad. These white people intrinsically have a problem with black people, queer people, women, Jews. And if they don't, Muslims. they Muslims. If they don't, they have let other racist white people speak up because they want their votes. You are my enemy. But I, I disagree with you on one point, which is that I think that I'm not going to give anybody credit for speaking out against Donald Trump here. That's like saying, you know, congrats on agreeing that white supremacy and Nazism is bad, right? Like you don't get points for that. Like that's the lowest bar we could set for our elected leaders. But I do think it's important for them to at least say something, because I think what we're seeing right now is this conversation in our country between like, People on on the left saying white supremacy is bad, Nazis are bad, and people on the right not saying Nazis are good and white supremacists are good. They're saying, no, freedom of speech is important. And they're drawing this really dangerous false equivalency between the left and the right, saying that people on the right are, you know, they are entitled. That's what makes America great is the right to freedom of speech. And, you know, I don't have to like what you're saying, but I should be able to respect you for saying it. And there's a line. I mean, we'll talk about it, but I think that there is a line between hate speech and, you know, violent white supremacist speech and just general free and like, you know, having to agree with somebody. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think that it is important to say something. I know it does nothing like it's not it doesn't absolve you of all your sins as a you know Trump supporting Republican. But I do think that it's better than if they said nothing. Jackie, I'm not giving pers- the person that gave the fire starter gasoline to start a fire no. props for saying that fire is bad. I'm not giving an Uncle Tom who right. told black people that fire feels good props for saying that fire burns. These people get no credit. They are the enemy. They are the ones that stoke these racial flames they have been stoking them from years makers and takers welfare queens barack obama is a muslim barack obama is a terrorist the willie horton act these same trash white people who have been here for years stoking these fires 
all of a sudden want to say something. You don't get credit for talking when you have power to change something. They have That's the equivalent of you getting robbed and I'm standing there and I can call the cops or pull them off of you and instead I say robbery is wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, listen, listen, like you don't get points to like, like for saying these things just like you think. I, I sort of, I'm going to split the difference between you two because I agree with both of you in certain ways. But I will say, which is like you also don't get a free pass from racism just because you want one. You don't sit there right. and say, oh, well, I'm not personally racist and you know but I'm going to pretend that all this other systemic racism isn't happening around me and so therefore I'm going to get a free pass like no none of us get a free pass on racism we all have work to do to combat systemic racism and to your point Stanley which is like the white supremacy that is ingrained within our society is ingrained through the application of our laws and I know we're going to talk about free speech in a minute and we're going to talk during the second segment about um, the way in which white supremacy has manifested itself since the early uh, 20, sorry, early 19th century or even further back in America stemming from the Reconstruction era and all up through Jim Crow. But the fact of the matter is, is this systemic racism is within our laws and the way they're applied. This is why 90% of the people that are currently in prison are black and brown. It's not because black and brown people commit more crimes than white people do. The rates of criminality are about equal. It's because of the way that the criminal justice system is applied to people of color and if you don't see that and if you are going to ignore that and if you're going to say oh well I you know I have friends that are black people or I have friends that are queer people and I don't want to learn or educate myself about the deeper systemic issue because you know what at the end of the day it's not about you and it's not about whether you are individually racist it's about the racism that is ingrained within our system of in America and we have to continue to have these conversations to change people's minds and to convince them we're not calling you racist we're trying to get you to see that this systemic racism exists so that you will speak out ex- against it also. Well, you might uh, be racist too. Right, exactly. Well, because yeah. if you aren't going to speak out against it, then you are complicit in the racism. Absolutely. I mean, very well said, Alyssa. And I think that, like Stanley said, no, I am actually calling out certain people who are racist. But so just to piggyback off of Jackie's point, that I actually did appreciate a lot of the Republican Party denouncing Donald Trump finally on something. I think that this was the, st- like, this was the line that was finally broken. So It's such it's a not- low bar. It, it, it is a low bar and I hear what Stanley is saying but if they would not have said anything or if they would have just if they would have continued to like double down on that type of opinion I think that that would have I think if it, it would have made things even worse can I just respond Somewhat. very quickly yes the, the week before I think actually the same week he proposed a bill that would not let people to the country unless they spoke English or had particular degrees right. which would block off most people coming from black and brown countries you, what, what does it matter what they said they didn't say anything to disavow that they actually support the bill Right. I mean, listen, and they also, a lot of them, refused to call Trump out by name. They sent out these platitudes about how racism is wrong and they bigotry don't. is wrong yeah. and hate is wrong. And there was like only a handful of maybe one or two people that actually literally called out Donald yeah. Trump's comments and said, this is unacceptable. Paul Ryan never mentioned Donald Trump by name. Most of these Republicans did not mention Donald Trump by name. So it's like, you don't get points for calling out racism, but you also don't get points for not explicitly calling out the president and just giving out these platitudes 
attitudes. Anybody can say bigotry is wrong. Anybody can say racism is wrong. What are you doing about it? These are people that are actually in a position of power to do something about it, and they don't. They double down on racist policies, number one. And number two, they don't even have the balls to call Donald Trump out by name. Jackie? Uh, no, no. On that note, we do have to take a break. Uh, don't go anywhere, guys. Continue listening. We will continue the conversation about Charlottesville, what is happening in our country, and how we can continue to resist. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with the entire Let Your Voice Be Heard team. That's Stanley Fritch, Jackie Cohen, and Alyssa Fuchs. We are dedicating this show to unpacking the tragedy that happened in Charlottesville. And basically, it, it was, it was a, a huge moment in time, but it was a moment I think a lot of us saw coming. Um, and, and we talked about that, our initial reactions, how officials reacted on the left and the right, how our so-called president reacted and how it makes us feel as people who identify as black, as Jewish, and as queer. Now, there's one thing that the president said that, I mean, everything he said was extremely um, disturbing, but one thing he said, he talked about the alt-left. In the second uh, conference that he had following Charlottesville, uh, someone called him out about the alt-right. He bounced that question right back to the reporter and said, what is the alt-right? Then before she can even de uh, define it, he said, well, what about the alt-left that was charging at people during Charlottesville with bats and whatever? And, and you know, he also made... Um, Reference in saying, references saying that these counter-protesters or anti-racist protesters were just as violent, um, were just as evil, uh, and, and that there were good people on both sides. So, you know, when he started talking about the alt-left, a lot of one thing that I continue to hear, especially in mainstream media, was like talk about Antifa and like people who were, who identify as Democrats and progressives saying like, you know, being a little too, I think, soft on this line. Mm -hmm. So I want to just open up the panel to what is this quote-unquote alt-left, or is it just a myth? I just want to, before we even get into that, I want to say that this week, as well as the events that happened in Charlottesville, in um, Barcelona, there was a terrorist attack where a driver drove into the Las Ramblas district, which is like going into Times Square with a car and hit um, pedestrians walking by in a terrorist attack, right? Um, this is a tactic that's been used that we've been um, we've seen more frequently used throughout the past few years um, by terrorists, mostly in European cities. This is the exact same tactic that a white supremacist used driving into this rally, killing Heather Heyer, who is an anti-fascist, anti-white supremacist protester. And we saw the president say almost nothing about it. I mean. You did not see people on the left. You saw people on the left come out in solidarity, mostly peaceful. You saw them fighting, but you didn't see them taking a car and driving into a into a protest group, killing someone and injuring many, many others. Right. So to draw this false equivalency between the two. And this is something that I mentioned earlier that I think it's really dangerous to do because that normalizes both sides. Right. Like that normalizes one side that shouldn't be normalized by saying, well, they were both bad, right? They were both doing bad things. There was one group there that were marching with Confederate and Nazi flags that were chanting racist, anti-Semitic chants that were driving cars into a, a car, into a group of protesters.
others, right? And there was another group there that were standing against hate, standing against white supremacists and Nazis and saying, no, this is unacceptable right. in America. So to draw a false equivalency between the two is extremely dangerous. And some of the fallout that we've seen is that people are defending the right by saying, well, it was happening on the left, too. They were doing it, too. Right. right. And not getting down to the the crux of the issue, which is that some of the people there were Nazis and white supremacists and the others there were not down with that. There's right. clearly uh, a right and a wrong side. Right. I mean, there there definitely is no two sides to this. You're either a Nazi or you're complicit with the Nazis or you are against them. Um, but to speak to the, your question about whether or not the alt-left is a myth, I think a lot of this idea of the quote-unquote alt-left comes out of the white uh, supremacist and complicit mediocre white people's reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement. And it, it, it bears repeating that these two things are not the same. I saw a great meme about this, so I'm actually just going to read you what it's says it says nazi white supremacists desire an all-white state formed by the forcible violent exclusion of all non-white persons black lives matter desires an end to the disproportionate death of black bodies at the hands of a racist culture and a racist social system they are not the same thing mm. on one hand you have people that are literally calling for the genocide of anybody that does not share the same skin color or culture as them on the other side you have a group of people that are calling for accountability and pointing out that we have systemic racist issues in America that we need to deal with. The second point that I wanted to make is when people are throwing rocks, bottles, and Molotov cocktails at you, at that point you have a right to react in self-defense. I will get into the freedom of speech issue and the suppression of speech issue in just a little while. I will throw it to Stanley first to address this question. The FBI warned the governor of Virginia a couple of days in advance that this militia of savage white men were coming with a gun cache. That's why the police didn't engage them, because the, the the white supremacists had more guns on hand than the actual police. Oh, they also had permits, though, Stanley. Mm-hmm. So don't forget, they yes, they yes, were permanent yes. that's protesters. Like saying, that's like saying that the 9-11 hijackers had plane tickets. Yeah. Seriously. So they like they had actual gun caches like they knew that they were going to be inherently violent they also surrounded a couple of friends a couple of friends and associates of mine inside of a church and threw rocks into the church window and tried to set the church on fire Mm -hmm. and then when the police disbanded their first gathering they walked and they tried to march into a black neighborhood to start harassing the black people there they were there to be inherently violent the fact that a couple of nazis got punched in the face because of that doesn't upset me it makes me happy i spent most of my sunday watching videos of nazis getting punched in the face and i'll do so until further notice no so i'm so glad that you you really just laid this out because there were other people such as Dr. Cornell West who was like, look, I was on the ground and they were about to literally like knock us over. They were extremely violent while we were extremely peaceful. But why is it that if that if that's the fact of the matter, because why is it do we hear... But, but, but on what grounds are do because anyone does anyone have to say that the alt-left, whatever that may be, was just as violent. There's no old left. It's pretty much white people don't like to see that their people are violent savages. So instead of admitting that you had this problem here, you had to equalize it and say that it's coming from both sides when it was not. It's, it, was, it was a one-sided thing. And the fact that a couple of Nazis got punched in the face, I thought that's what we were supposed to do to Nazis, punch them in the face. I mean, that's what Dwight D. Eisenhower did. I mean, we went to war with them. So speaking of the alt-left, there's another question that has definitely raised among at, at this time. Is the left silencing free speech? And before we get into that answer, um, I, I want to let everybody know, just yesterday, there were dozens of 
quote unquote free speech rallies, marches across the country. And uh, what happened was counter protesters came out in droves, especially in Boston, where they uh, there were like 10 times more peaceful counter protesters fighting against racism and fascism than there were those who uh, subscribed to white supremacy and white nationalism. But do they still have that time? Do they still have that uh, right to voice whatever bigotry and hatred that we want. I mean, it's America. You're not going to be prosecuted under any American law for for voicing your opinion, right? Or, right. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, well, that depends, right? I mean, the answer to that question is, so yeah, for, uh, under the First Amendment, you have a right to free speech, and that includes hate speech. What it does not include is speech which incites violence. So if your hate speech crosses that line into inciting violence, then you could be arrested and charged uh, for that speech. That said, I think people really misunderstand the left. The left is yeah. not trying to have the government ban these people from speaking. I mean, maybe there are some people on the left, but at least but, from my perspective, I'm not looking to ban them from speaking. You know how you deal with speech that you disagree with? You meet it with your own speech. Yeah, and that's, that's why it's so important for those counter-protesters to be out there. Yeah, that's what the real problem is. It's that the, you know the right is mad that the left is not just saying, oh, we're going to just stay home and let you run your mouths and say all this like garbage and say this you know a lot of, uh, there's a lot of words I want to say that Freedom I can't say on the radio means right the now. government may not persecute you right but but, but you to, could get punched in the face if you're a Nazi right like I'm not gonna sit home while Nazis march through town and you know say Jews will not replace us and you know whatever anti-semitic racist bs they spewed you know in charlottesville like i'm going to step up and i'm going to yell back right like yeah. that is like the issue here is that there were white supremacists marching through charlottesville saying what they were saying and people on the right are saying well you should have just let them say it it's their right it's like no it's equally my right to get out and you know just because there were more of us than there are of them doesn't mean that we're shutting down free speech absolutely we're so we actually have a caller on the line who would like to let their voice be heard do we have the caller? Okay. Hello. Good morning. Let your voice be heard. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Did you have a question or comment? Um. Well, I'm I'm interested in the fact that I hear all these complaints about uh, what Nazis are doing, and I hear all these complaints by uh, black people, and I am a black man myself about uh, something needs to be done. The first thing that is surprising to me is that people are acting surprised that this exists in America today. The second thing is, is that I'm not really hearing solutions to the problems. I'm just hearing people who are just constantly complaining as though the fact that they're saying something about it means that they're actively participating in doing something. And so what I'm wondering is when are we going to get to the action point? I see over, all over the country, I'm not saying everyone is inactive, but I'm saying that the majority of people are just talking and they don't have any real solutions to offer to the problem. I'm not saying that violence is a necessary action, and I'm not saying that it is not. But what I am saying is that it's only getting worse, and it is time for our generation to stop living off of the backs of Dr. King and Malcolm X and start producing our own leaders and our own positive action. Thank you very much for calling in and letting your voice be heard. I want to just respond to that um, very quickly. 
um, I guess to the last part first and then to the rest of it, we are developing our leaders. We have a lot of great leaders doing a lot of great work all over, but that doesn't answer your question of what are we going to get done. If you want to fight racism, I'm not about to sit in front of a neo-Nazi or any problematic white person and explain to them my humanity because it might end up with me punching them in the face. But white people, yeah. go talk to your problematic cousins and aunties and uncles because the only way that we can get past this is if... We acknowledge, and by we, I mean this country, particularly white people, that racism is a problem that has been created, supported, and perpetuated by white people, and it still exists today. And as much as, you know, it may stink to talk, it really is a conversation, a continuous conversation that will be painful on all sides, but it's the only way we can get through this. Absolutely. Thank you again for calling in and letting your voice be heard. And Stanley, that's a brilliant response to what can and should we be doing now. Like Stanley mentioned, uh, we have leaders on the ground. He is one of them. I mean, a political activist who mm-hmm. travels up and down the state uh, advocating for the li- for the rights and the lives of those who have been disenfranchised. Uh, on that note, because we are wrapping up this segment, what are your final thoughts very quickly on what and can we should be doing post Charlottesville? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I think like Lady Gaga tweeted out like, people of color, tell me what, like, I'm listening, tell me what we should be doing. And it's like, black people have been telling us white people for years what we should be doing, right? Like, it's it's like, if you are, if you have to ask that question in 2017, you have not been listening. So maybe you should start with just listening to people when they speak. Um, but I, I do think Stanley's point is exactly right, that like, white people need to be speaking with their family members with, you know, like, I, I don't want to go into a, a room where people think that Jews are not people and have to defend my humanity, right? That seems like a traumatic experience. But I would expect my friends that aren't Jewish to stand up for me if they hear problematic stuff being said in my name, right? Um, We as white people need to speak up when we hear injustice, when we hear our racist cousins saying stuff, it does work. It does work. I will say from personal experience to talk to people that you hear that you have a close relationship saying these problematic things, but you need to stay on them. It's not going to be easy. It's not just like having a quick conversation and telling them why they're wrong. It's going to be a year's sustained effort, but you need to have those conversations at the very least. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I agree with that. I was I was like having that conversation last night and I'm trying to explain it to people. And sometimes you're not going to get through. And I even came in, and I mentioned to Stanley, I said, you know, I don't know how to convince somebody that systemic racism is real without continuing to just give them the facts, give them the information, have the conversations. And like it's, you know, white people really need to be the ones doing that, because if you're not doing that, then you are complicit in these things. It's not enough to stay silent when these things do not personally affect you. You have to be the one speaking out. You can't expect other people to speak out for you, and you can't expect um, to convince people if you're not trying to educate them. And that does not mean that you're going to be able to convince and educate everybody. But trying to ban people's speech that you disagree with is not how you go about it. The way you do it is by meeting people's speech with your speech, um, by stepping out there, by continuing to have the conversations, by trying to educate themselves, and by not not letting up because that's the only way that we are going to accomplish anything is to continue to have these conversations. We're not going to get anywhere by staying silent. And I would like to end the segment by just saying this. Charlottesville is not the end. It is actually the beginning. We are just now starting. Like for me, as a millennial, this is the first time where I've actually witnessed this type of racially charged violence. Uh, 
personally in my in my in my lifetime, right? I, I've seen a number of cops shoot and kill unarmed black people. I've watched the the live feeds. I, I've watched the the video footage. I've seen that. Um, I, and I, but now it's like as horrendous as that was, it feels like things are even more escalated because those same police officers are now taking off their hoods, taking off their badges, and walking through the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia with tiki torches, talking about blood and soil and black lives don't matter and all this Mm. other stuff and white lives matter. And it's horrifying. And it was horrifying for my mother, my grandmother, and my ancestral slave uh, grandparents, okay? So uh, great-great-grandparents. And it's always been horrible so i think that for many of us who are now just defining themselves as woke or who who say like i've been awoken or i've been awakened by this tragedy it's time to take action so i was very comforted about all of the counter protesters that came out across the country yesterday to say we're not going to allow this hate speech yes you have the right of free speech but so do we and we're going to stand on the right side of history when it comes to this issue of white supremacy and nationalism guys we have to continue to stay abreast on this issue and hold our leaders accountable uh no matter how disheartening it looks we can still fight we still have voices and we will continue to press on on that note we do have to take a quick break but don't go anywhere we will continue the conversation about charlottesville and the kkk later on in this show right now it's a break and this is let your voice be heard we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem if you are just tuning in this is the one the only the most handsomest and when i say most handsomest i mean nice most handsomest in the world hate is gonna hate Alyssa fingernail emoji fuse yeah and of course jackie cohen with the grandma cardigan on always want to have some hateful comments towards me (laughs) bless up beloveds but as i was saying we are back on a great show this is stanley fritz i'm here with Alyssa fuchs jackie grandma cardigan cohen and of course (laughs) selena i love that i am not on Christian Party Mingle J. Hill. And if you guys are wondering... Wait, what, I don't get a fun nickname? You want a fun nickname? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you get you I, on the spot. Did you hear how hesitate just now? She was like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you asking for? Alyssa, you know what he'll do. Alyssa, dude, bro, with the snapback fukes. <laughs> All right, I'm down with that. Yeah, Anyways. she's down with that. But guys, we are back on the show to talk about what do you think racist white people and the origins of racist white people because before there was a Terminator 2 there was a Terminator 1 and in the case of KKK before there was a KKK there was a KKK and that is what we are here to talk about but before we jump into that history I want to tell you guys a fun fact while Hitler was in prison for the brewery brawl that he had he, he really had a chance to sit down and start thinking about his policies and how he wanted to perceive the world and he said that one of the things that inspired his idea on Nazism or the Aryan society or whatever crap he was talking about was a 1924 immigration law in the United States that had just been signed by, I think it was Calvin Coolidge, in which the law pretty much had emphasized bringing in Europeans, not putting in any Eastern Europeans, not getting in any other group that was not white, and if you spoke a different language that was not appreciated or supported by white Anglo-Saxon Christians, then you you just could not get into the country. Hitler and other of his Nazi supporters felt that like the, the creation of America was a, a significant point for white supremacy and Nazism. They found it as an inspiration. So we shouldn't be too surprised when neo-Nazis come marching down and they're hand in hand with white supremacists. But white supremacy and neo-Nazism, from even saying a correct word, are not necessarily the same 
thing, even though they do come one and the same. Before there was ever a neo-Nazi, there was the ghost of Confederate soldiers. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, in 1965 and or 1966, because white people don't keep good track of time, especially during that period, <laughs> about seven Confederate soldiers who were butthurt about losing the war and feeling like the South had lost its power came together to create a social club. And this social club, which, believe it or not, was not focused on wearing hoods, was to make sure that there was some group out there to overthrow the Republican government and bring back a government that focused on white supremacy. They were powerful from 1865 to about 1871. And what happened at that point? Well, the U.S. government, led by Congress, passed three bills, including the Klan Act, that went out of its way to disempower members of the Klan. That from from, 19, from 1870 to about 1915, the Klan was there in spurts, but it wasn't really around. In 1915, we saw a rise again happening after, what do you know? There's a book called The Klansman, and of course, there's also a movie that came out at the time called Birth of a Nation, in which it glorified being members of the Klan and it glorified white supremacy while also placing the black man as just this savage person that would rape your white woman and steal all your food. And the only hero was available to save you was that one white man who drank PBR in 1915 and had sex with his cousin. He was going to be the one that saved you. Allegedly. And they rose to power, allegedly. And they started to get things going again and building more of that white power. But then the Great Depression happened and pretty much kicked them in the proverbial white penis. And they lost <laughs> their power again. And all of a sudden, they kind of fell to the wayside. And then what happened? Black people started asking for equality. And during the Civil Rights Movement, the Klan once again came back. This is like the Jason movie. There are 10 of them. There are 10 yeah. versions of white supremacy. I thought this was like Groundhog's Day. It like, just keeps repeating itself. It's not repeating itself. It's, it's like evolving into different forms of small penis white oppression. That's what it does. So during the Civil Rights Movement, all of a sudden, these people came back. But they weren't of the original iteration of the Klan. Instead, it was a whole bunch of different subsets of backwood, bad drink, whiskey, moonshine drinking white people who decided that they did not want black people to vote or have civil rights. And even though a lot of people tried to make it seem like it was a whole bunch of poor white people with no teeth and no access to condoms or soap, it was actually upper and middle class white people who you probably talk to today and who had all sorts of power running these groups. And the Civil Rights Act of 1965, along with Lyndon B. Johnson personally condemning the Klan on live television, was one of the ways that this empowered them. And for a long time, once again, the Klan was losing its power. But but then something strange happened after Nixon became president. Something very strange happened. All of a sudden, it became unpopular to say the N-word. All of a sudden, it became unpopular to see black people as this problematic group that was subhuman that you should whip, kill, or push from your country. So all the things, the ideals and the, and the practices of the Klan became unpopular popular and they had to find a new way to talk about that racism to talk about that hatred to talk about that superiority so some of them after Lyndon B. Johnson passed the Civil Rights Act trickled from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party some of them pretty much went underground and had small subsets of groups and then some of them still supported the Klan even up to 1994 when the Klan had between 6,000 to 10,000 people but as things progressed there was a certain way that people looked at the Klan as a whole bunch of backwoods white people who had sex with their cousins and didn't have money. And that's where the alt-right started to rise. Because in 1994, a couple of things were happening. Bill Clinton was president. You had this article that came out that said that by 2050, white people would be the minority. You had a lot more people of color rising up in power. You had a lot more interracial relationships. And of course, you had OJ. But we won't talk about OJ. Mm. He did it, by the way. And <laughs> they needed a Allegedly. vacuum. <laughs> no, I'm yes. kidding. Yes, yeah, so OJ allegedly killed 
Nicole Kidman. Nicole Simpson. Nicole Kidman. He, he did allegedly kill Kidman because she's live. So he's allegedly. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. I want to wrap this up because I know I'm talking for a long time. But here's what happened. All of a sudden, they got the internet, the interwebs, and they created these forums. And they started having these pockets of conversations where they could rebrand white supremacy. And it became the alt-right. And it became neo-Nazi. And it became white nationalists. And all these subsets came together last week where all their filtering ideologies and they decided to coalesce in Charlottesville, Virginia, which brings us to today, the re-rising of the white supremacy movement. I mean, listen, I'm going to disagree with you slightly in the frame re-rising. Yeah, right. um, I don't think white supremacy or white nationalism has ever gone away. I think in some of the cases that you point out, it has gone underground. They have gotten slightly silent or slightly, uh, you know, um, pushed to the back burner for a little while. And then something empowers them to get uh, brought back into the Again, I also think there's a good amount of white supremacy um, that has been completely ingrained within our culture and within our society. And it doesn't mean that there's necessarily white people walking around in hoods or now not with hoods, with just Confederate flags and guns and, you know, and engaging in that kind of behavior. Um, we actually got a comment on our Facebook page about it that I'll read in a second about how white supremacy has infiltrated itself through the police department and through FBI and through law enforcement. Let me let me jump in for one second, Alyssa, and I want to acknowledge what you're saying, and I want, I want to push back slightly. There have actually been two occasions where the Klan disbanded, so that's what I mean. So okay. they, dis, they disbanded in 1870, they disbanded again in 1940 because of the Great Depression. So like that's that's what I mean about re-rising, just to clarify that. Fair enough. Selena? Well, I'm glad you did clarify because the way I've seen it is that it's like they reemerged into mainstream culture. They weren't always as culturally accepted in our society, but now that we are under the the Trump presidency, they are even more emboldened and even more empowered. So when you said reemerge, that's what I was envisioning. And once again, I want to push. I want to get to Jackie too because I see your hand. Do not think about the Klan when you think about white supremacy. Right. Being a part of the Klan is still stigmatized as a bad thing. The point that the point of the introduction for you guys to think about is the evolution of it because after what happened the civil rights act they evolved and they realized it could not function the same way anymore and they created these different iterations so the clan in and of itself it still has a low membership rate at its peak it had four million people but it's not the force driving this movement anymore jackie right i think that there is i mean if anything there's members of this like white supremacist alt-right who want to disassociate from the clan because they want to be their own thing right they want to have their own brand and i think that you're exactly right both of you in saying that you know this isn't a resurgence but it's definitely out of the shadows um, or has come out of the shadows. And I think that while you know, no one was wearing a white hood at this rally. Much of the way that these people are organizing themselves are under a cloak of anonymity online. Um, you know, they're able to stay out of this. I mean, they were very much presented in the spotlight in Charlottesville last week and they, you know, have been like docs for it. Right. Like you've seen people on the left exposing the people on the, uh, you know, the white supremacists who attended this rally. But um, by finding out where they live, where they work and getting them exposed. But for the most part, this has been organized online, underground. Um, and so there are many people that we just don't know who align with this movement. Well, I just wanted to say there was one thing that you said, Jackie, that I thought um, might have been interesting or I would push back on. I think white supremacists have no problem at all aligning themselves with the Klan. Um, I think that they're taking a 
play out of their own playbook. And I think that they are reiterating themselves as a clan. But I think that they look at them as like almost the founding fathers because the clan did accomplish a lot in this country. So I don't think that they're like, no, we're not the clan. We're the alt right. Like, I mean, it's they are two though. Two. That's, they, and they that's, say that? Actually, that's yeah, exactly they, what they're doing. They literally say that. They yeah. literally have. I was listening to a podcast on the uh, the Daily podcast, that New York yeah. Times podcast on the way up here where they played audio from this like group call planning the Charlottesville rally where they said, you know, don't wear hoods like we're not trying to be the Klan. And then also what you have to understand, especially this new alt-right movement, they're trying to rebrand themselves as sophisticated whiteness. Right, because they want to be taken more seriously. Yes. So go ahead, Jack. I'm no, sorry, but no. they want to take themselves out of the fringe and they want to be mainstream. So in order to do that, they're going to strip themselves of the relics of the past and strip the white hoods and cloaks and, you know, present themselves in this way that, right, is taken more, quote unquote, seriously um, by the mainstream. But like, let's let's have a moment of education over here. And I want to bring it back to this conversation because I'm enjoying the way it's kind of free flowing. So the Klan, I'm, I'm sorry, Alyssa. No, 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 no. Go on and then I'll speak. So so the Klan, they, they've had. They've had like pretty much the same ideology, but shifting in different spaces depending on what period you had. So the original iteration of the Klan was really about white supremacy and not giving the blacks power and taking back the power they felt blacks had been given over them. The 1915 iteration was about white supremacy, but also going after specifically Catholics, Jews, and other immigrants, and really in support and pushing back on any immigration policy that brought in other people in here. The 1945 and up reiteration of the Klan was about civil rights and about black people in particular and pushing back on that. This iteration of white supremacy believes that there's a white genocide going on right now and every country is for like one specific race but in the US and the European countries white people have to share their land and they don't want that and they want a racial cleansing of this land violent or otherwise. Right I mean a few things on that. Number one this land was the land of indigenous people who were uh, killed Mm -hmm. in a huge genocide um, and then built as Selena said during the first segment on the backs of slaves that were literally brought over from Africa in slave ships and then forced to work on plantations for white slave owners. We know we've been talking about statues and whether or not statues have come down and even the president not even realizing it when he's talking about this. Oh, what is going to be next? George Washington. What is going to be next? Thomas Jefferson. You know, we need to acknowledge that that is the history of our country. Like, it's almost ironic that he's pointing that out in like we need to have a reckoning about the fact that the people that built this country country were people that, you know, did it on the backs of indigenous people and slaves. But the the main comment that I wanted to make um, was not about that. I I did want to read the comment that we got from Elliot Dolby Shields. And he says, real talk, the white supremacists are doing a ton of recruiting from the police and the military. And then he linked to an article about the fact that there is white supremacists and neo-Nazis that are actually members of law enforcement and that the white supremacy continues to be ingrained in our culture. Um, through law enforcement. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say about this is the fact that these people, they may be out in the streets now, but like these are the same people that are online in groups like 4chan and places on the internet and Reddit that deny the Holocaust, that deny slavery ever existed. Like the fact that these people are out in the streets now um, with guns and wearing their Nazi regalia, in some ways it's almost good because now we can identify who they are and we can get in their faces and combat it. On that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. Yeah, so we are going to go on a break. When we come back, though, we are going to talk about white supremacists in our institutions, our police institutions, our libraries, our communities. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be right back after this break. 
We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, Jackie Cohen, and we are talking about the history of white supremacy in the United States of America. And we just finished having a conversation about the way these white supremacists have been infiltrating our police forces and other institutions of America. But before we go back there, we have a couple of comments and we have a caller that we want to get to. Selena? Absolutely. So Darren Mack left a comment on our Facebook Live feed. He says, wasn't David Duke a leader in the KKK mm-hmm. and an elected official. The answer to that is yes, well, he was a grand wizard and he, he ran, ran for, office. for office. But he did not get elected. Yeah. Yes. So I and, saw a great and, tweet that was like, David Duke ran for, he ran for president, like, what he ran, no, he ran for, for governor. He ran for governor, but today was the day he became president. Like <laughs> was during Charlotte's right? Like it was the day that Donald Trump said there were good people on both sides was the day that James Duke became president. Yeah, pretty much. So thank you, Darren. Yeah, he's absolutely right about that. And there are a couple of other white supremacists who are in government right now. <clears throat> Jeff Sessions. <clears throat> well, anyways, guys, we do have a call that we want to get to. Elliot, let your voice be heard. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I just uh, wanted to call in about the article posted it was really interesting um basically what it was saying is you know it makes the it makes the point that back in the day when the kkk was big you know people were ashamed to go out into the world and show their faces as these white supremacists and so they would wear hoods and they would be ashamed if people in their community found out about them and it was really interesting last week to see what happened in Charlottesville. They all came out proud, showing their faces, and then they get shamed when they go out into the community. Um, but one of the things that the article points out is that within law enforcement, um, one of the things that's happening is it's easier to recruit law enforcement and military people these days because they don't, uh, back in the day when people would join the Nazis or the white supremacist groups, they would get tattoos and they would have other identifying symbols that they were organized and that they were part of these groups. Today, that's not the case. And so it's been much easier to recruit within law enforcement and military because it's something that isn't, you know, they don't, they don't have these outward symbols of their affiliations with these groups. Thank you very much for that, Elliot. And I do want to point out that we have known this for a while. The FBI actually reported that there had been an increase in white supremacists joining police forces and actively trying to join police forces to infiltrate them. Actually, two officers just got arrested because it was found out that they were, pardon me, correction officers, because it was found out that not only were they white supremacists, they were conspiring to kill an inmate. Jackie? Yeah, I mean, to get back to our conversation a little bit earlier about wearing hoods, I mean, this is a strategic move. The Like, don't take, you know... It, I don't think that we've taken, not us, but our country has taken um, these white supremacists seriously enough. We just see them as, oh, just like angry white dudes, like in their mom's basement, just tweeting and, you know, posting stuff on Reddit. And that's it. They are strategically organizing themselves. They are recruiting. I mean, I like I read about the way that they recruit reminds me about ISIS, right? Like yeah. it's like the right. way that they're targeting individual communities and recruiting and gaining support and momentum is something to be taken very seriously. And I think that if anything, the left has said, oh, you know, like these people, they don't know what they're talking about. Like they're such a fringe group. Like things are better today than they ever were. We need to start taking these people seriously. They're doing a very good job at targeting the right groups to recruit and they're, you know, growing in size and they've been very emboldened to get out into the streets without, you know, without masks, without hoods, just as themselves and 
you know, fight for what they want, which is white supremacy. Right. I mean, listen, look at Dylan Roof, for example. When mm. you talk, like when you've re- I've read interviews with his family and basically um, most of the people in his family, including his mother, like they had no idea that he, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but Probably. at least they claim that they had no idea that he had these views, that nobody in their family actually had these views, that he um, was an otherwise w- normal but awkward kid and then he got onto the internet and he got into these um, places on the web that perpetuated this type of thing and he sort of got indoctrinated to it and as Jackie points out that's exactly the way that ISIS is doing their recruiting I mean it's like you know same idiots with a different you know like but the ideology is the same some kind of purity of race or religion and that if you don't do it the way that they're doing it then you're the outsider Mm -hmm. right Um, and that they want to have this kind of you know society in which they are in charge and that they are cleansing everybody else from society. I mean, like there are there's a little little light between groups like ISIS and groups like these neo-Nazis. And the funny thing is that these neo-Nazis will be the first people that will come out as being Islamophobic um, and calling all Muslims terrorists when, in fact, the person driving the car through a crowd of nonviolent protesters last weekend was one of these white terrorists. Let's call it what it is. We should talk about the evolution of the white supremacy and how they've been recruiting. So one of the funny things that people always say is that these are white guys who are mad they can't get dates. That's not that far from the truth. So the way they've talked about it, the evolution is it usually starts off with like um, men who are frustrated with women. So it starts with sexism and patriarchy, actually. And like they go in these groups and they're venting about that. And it starts off with just slut shaming and disrespecting women. And then it kind of graduates. You go to the edgier content. Eventually, eventually you either leave or you fully embrace the entire spectrum of ideology. Selena? No, Stanley, you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, the demonstrations we saw in Charlottesville showed it, it's like a white man's sport. Like there was these young, yuppie, white kids marching around with these tiki torches uh, in Charlottesville and that almost seems like the face of um, the new evolved KKK or alt-right whatever you want to call it but I actually heard a really interesting report on NPR about how white women are recruiting as well to the alt-right now we know that 56% of white women voted into voted for Donald Trump that Mm -hmm. is why he is president so they asked this one woman who has a huge following on social media what tactics does she use to get other women so that women because like it is patriotic i mean it is um very like sexist the way that um the kkk operates in the alt-right but she was like the reporter said how do you get other women and she was like well we just use fear and one of the fear tactics we use is we tell them that white women are severely threatened by black and brown men and I was just like flabbergasted because I'm like literally taking these same exact uh, plays that we've seen in history time yeah. and time again yeah. to uh, to just continue to stir up fear of black men. You know, you know, it's it's an entire process that they go through and they've been building this. But I don't want to really, I don't want to spend too much more time talking about just how trash they are and how they build this. We we do have to wrap this conversation up, and I want people to be able to walk away with something. So I want to give you guys a chance to give your final thoughts. I'm gonna start with Jackie first, actually. I mean, I think history repeats itself. I I was reading about like German sociologists who came out this week and said this is you know like the writing is on the wall. What we're seeing happen in the United States has happened here. I mean, this is something like we've drawn parallels between Nazi Germany. And the current state of affairs in America more than once on the show. Um, And it's not we're not being hyperbolic when we do that. When you're looking to ban. I mean, there was a while where Trump in his like immigration policy and, 
you know, he wants to ban certain groups of people from entering the country. He wants to post the crimes of undocumented immigrants um, that they commit in the newspaper and online so that people can see. Like he wants to stir up this this fear amongst brown and black people in this country Um you know, that there is like one right way to be right. And that right is white is right. And, you know, he a lot of I think a lot of the conversation this week has been, is he the one solely responsible here? And while no, obviously white supremacy has existed in this country far beyond Trump. Right. He has certainly empowered this base. Right. He has failed to condemn really the actions that happened in Charlottesville. If anything, he drew this wildly inappropriate false equivalency between two groups and he's helped normalize this extremist group, right? And bring them forward into the mainstream. And in his silence, he refuses to call out, you know, they, they've thanked him, right? Like we've seen like David Duke go on Twitter and say, thank you, Donald Trump for, you know, standing with us. You see what's, what's happening. You see that we're right here. So, I mean, I think that we need to take this seriously first and foremost, and not just assume that this is like a fringe group that will go away, but treat it as a serious threat to our society. Right. I mean, listen, I agree with that. I'm not going to repeat everything that Jackie just said. Um, you know, listen, the election of Barack Obama and the fact that he was president for eight years has a lot to do with this. And I, we'd be remiss to not mention it. Um, obviously, to see a black man rise to the highest office in the land really pissed off a lot of the white people and brought them out of the closets and out from under the hoods. We have to deal with that. Um, you know, the other thing is, like, you look to Germany, nobody goes to a high school that's called Adolf Hitler Junior High. Here, we have students that literally go to high schools called Stonewall Jackson Junior High. Do you know what it must be like to be a black person to have to go to one of these schools that's literally named after a racist leader of this country. We have to have a reckoning in this country. It's not fair for white people to kill keep telling black people how they should feel about symbols of slavery. Imagine as a Jewish person, you having to go to a school or walk through a square and see pictures and statutes and monuments to Goebbels and Hitler and all of those figures. We have to discuss that. We have to keep talking about that. I'll end with this. Conservatives keep saying they're tired about us protesting the election and they're tired about us hearing complain. Well, you know what? I'm tired too. I'm tired of dealing with fascists, racists, Nazis, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, bigotry, sexism, and systematic racism. And guess what? I'm really tired with dealing with complicit, mediocre white people who claim to be against these things, but who stay silent because they don't personally affect them. Silence equals complicity. The time to stand up and speak out is now. Keep pushing forward. Keep resisting. It's the only way we're going to get anywhere in this country. Great closing, Alyssa. I'm so glad that you started off by talking about the Confederate statues. And as a black person, oh, and, and she also you also talked about these schools being named after Confederate leaders. And as a black person, although I think it is completely necessary to get rid of these statues across the country and the thousands of schools named after these Confederate racist leaders, I think that what's even more painful and even more necessary is dismantling the ideology that they represent. Like, those statues, those names, they didn't really affect me, especially because I live in New York City and, like, I've seen them, I've passed them by, where I've they, been in the where South. Where they do exist, not just no, the they, South. They, they, but they do exist. But the thing that really affects me is institutionalized racism. The fact that we have a president that's trying to dismantle 
dismantle affirmative action. Like those are the things that are extremely practical and that affect my life and build up these challenges and obstacles because I'm a person of color. So I think that we need to focus on that. And Robert Lee the Fourth came out and said he is a 24 year old pastor and the descendant of Robert E. Lee. And he is calling for the statue to come down. He said, I'm going to use my namesake and I'm going to use my platform and the fact that I can get media coverage because of uh, the fact that I'm related to him to fight against white supremacy. And the sermon that he gave last Sunday was so powerful. He told anybody that disagrees with him and is on the side of racism to walk out the church. And I was like, we need much more, much more of that. Let me show you how whiteness works. Robert Ely the fourth has a platform. The people that his father, that his his great great grandfather, whatever he is for him, fought to to subjugate, don't. That's that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of my favorite comedians did a bit on Saturday Night Live, um, and she was pretty much eating cheat cake and was like, just hide inside and don't Tina say anything. Fey. I love Tina Fey, and you know, just like the Nazis will go away. Um, my white roommate said the same exact thing to me, and a lot of people got mad at Tina Fey, and at first I didn't understand it. Like, why would they get mad? And then I went to go look at a picture of the corny white people with small penises and low IQs, what, what they looked like, and there was a whole bunch of young white men between the ages of 18 and 25 with their young white girlfriends and a spattering of Asian men and Latin men in that crowd. You can't ignore them. Because they're not going anywhere. They have plenty of years to be teachers, doctors, lawyers, Paul Ryan affiliates, and Republicans, and maybe and even some Democrats. They have a lot of time to keep on building on this hate. The best thing that we can do is learn that ideology, learn how to get into people, and find a way to break it down. Destroy that hatred with love, knowledge, and resistance. And if you think that we can sit in our homes and just make believe they don't exist and make believe they're not a problem, you weren't paying attention on November 10th when Donald Trump became president. Because if you were, you would understand why it's so important to fight. With that being said, punch Nazis in the face. Have a great day. We're going. The on lawyer a quick says break. don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Allegedly punch Nazis in the face. Is that better, Alyssa? <laughs> That's yeah. Sure. Allegedly. God. <laughs>